the star popular podcast on Russian Kalyapa. My guest today is Ishwar Vikas, who is the co-founder and CEO of Mukunda Foods. Ishwar, like many of us, uh, dreamt of starting up his own restaurant, and uh, he did. He started uh, Mukunda Foods as a pizza restaurant just out of college. Uh, his success, however, was uh, short-lived when he realized that scaling the business is not as easy. And as he says, consistency and quality is the key, and that is the most difficult thing. Wondering if he could automate the process, he spent uh, quite some amount of time researching and building a machine called Dosamatic, which made delicious dosas. While he made this to serve his own needs, he saw a wider interest. Um, and eight years, six products, and over 2,000 installations later, Mukunda Foods is now one of the leading kitchen automation startups in the country. Ishwar has had to figure out manufacturing, R&D, distribution, and many other facets of the business. We spoke about his journey and also about how the restaurant business itself has evolved and what will happen post-COVID. This is a fascinating conversation with a really passionate entrepreneur and one that I immensely enjoyed. Uh, and I know you will too. Hey Ishwar, welcome to the Star Popular Podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. Thanks, thanks for having me here, man. Yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. As I mentioned before, we, we started recording. I, I think you run a very unique uh, uh, startup, right? And really looking to understand, you know, how things work at, uh, uh, in your space, basically. Uh, so maybe let's start with the let's start with the founding story of Mukunda Foods. Uh, you were still an engineering student, or probably you may have just graduated when you started. Uh, what was the motivation uh, behind starting the company? So uh, in fact, uh, the company was registered in my dorm room. So <laughs> me and my co-founder were uh, wanting to build the QSL of Indian foods, you know, the of Indian foods. If you look all across, you see uh, only global brands that have global cuisines and global brands that have really well. Something like McDonald's or Domino's or Pizza Hut or something. Right? Uh, something like Nando's and stuff like that. Global cuisines have really become big. But Indian cuisine is loved by everyone, but yet it's really not uh, popular across the globe. And no Indian uh, food business had done. So we wanted to become the McDonald's of Indian food. I think a lot of food entrepreneurs start their journey uh, wanting to do that, and that's, that was the inspiration behind you know, why we started uh, Mukunda Foods. That's the reason Zodiac Kitchen Robotics Kitchen Automation Company today. Back then we were more of a food company. You know, we wanted to um, open QSRs and sell food. So this was in, uh, I think, 2013, 2014, when we were back in college, we opened our first outlet <coughs> selling um, just three food items, that was Idris, Dosas, and Badas. We wanted to keep it simple, just like Medley. We opened a, 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 we opened a decent space, large, large, large TVs, bright lights, people could come out, take a food and go real fast. Uh, people really liked the concept. They really appreciated, you know, uh, that the food was good, it was economical, it was fast, the taste was vibrant, it was energetic, uh, and it was, it was uh, you know, uh, quick service, right? We didn't have to wait for a long time. We kept churning out food and people just went and grabbed the food out. So uh, things were good. We figured that, you know, we had found our mojo, uh, that the next big billion dollar business was there. Uh, but really what happened was once we opened our second outlet and third outlet, that's when really, you know, shit hit the roof. We were not able to maintain the quality and consistency of food. People used to come and say, hey, sure, you know, that outlet is good, this outlet, you know, food is not that good, but that is me. So, and then sometimes we had, um, uh, you know, all sorts of issues. We had mental issues, we had wastage. Uh, like any other new entrepreneur, we started throwing <coughs> people at the problem. We hired more people. We said, okay, we'll double down on manpower. We didn't see how um, this can really solve the problem, how the business can solve the problem. But what really was happening was we were building a monster. It was creating a loss-making machine for us. Uh, while people liked and wanted to franchise it out, they said, you know, we'll operate cities and stuff like that. We were not really happy with the whole way the business was going because the quality and consistency of the product was really missing. And uh, economics was not really coming out well. That's when we thought to ourselves, you know, there should be a better way to do this. Uh, this doesn't seem to be really working out well. And uh, we said, okay, uh, we were engineers, so we said, okay, how do we look at it from an engineering point of view? That's when we thought, okay, 70% of my revenue is coming from you know, one product, that is dosas. People really uh, order a lot of dosas, and about 22 dosas we have to sell a day. So we said, okay, why don't we automate that? We went all across the internet, we spoke to a lot of professors, we spoke to a lot of uh, industry, but we never found a machine that could work in a QSR kind of a segment and meet dosas consistently. There were machines that were for uh, huge, uh, you know, uh, factories and stuff like that, that could make a thousand dosas an hour. <coughs> But nothing for a restaurant kind of a space, a food outlet or QSR kind of a space. That's when we rolled up our sleeves and said, yeah, let's make this machine. But that was really critical for us because we wanted, we really, people liked the food. Uh, we were convinced that this was uh, really working well. People wanted more outlets. Uh, but it's just that we were not able to make food consistently. This is not the case with any other products. For example, you design a food and you make a new, new, new thing. Um, you know, replicating that is not a problem for you. You, know, you open a factory and replicate food. You open, like, you don't make one, 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 one million bites a year. Maybe replicating food is not, replicating normal things is not a problem. Replicating food at scale, multiple outlets, multiple locations was very difficult, especially for a product like dosa. Uh, simple thing, but really difficult to get the crispness, to get the color, to appeal to an Indian uh, consumer, to catch his five senses because food is really tell his right? People need to like the look of it, to stand well, the color should be charming, they should be shining on the dosa, the crispness should be there, inside what should be soft, the aroma should be very authentic. To get that right, every time was a problem. So we said, okay, let's build a machine that can make dosas automatically. And that's how we started building a machine, you know, to make dosas automatically. Uh, we built a machine, we put it on outlet, and it just whatever, a lot of press started covering us. The Hindu put us on page one, and then we made a story, BBC made a story, we had 30 to 40 large global and Indian news coverage that happened to us. And that's when many restaurants started calling us. They said, sure, you have a machine that makes dosas, can you sell it to me? We, we have the same problem. I'm not able to make good quality dosas at a lot of outlets. I'm not able to scale because of that. For a while, we didn't pay heed, you know, but just to say no to people, we quoted some hazardous value of the machine. We said, no, it's an expensive machine, it's too light to please. Interestingly, what happened one day, the guy asked the bank account, okay, it's too light for me or accountants. I'm sitting on a 
man up our machines are good without a good chef, without a great chef. You know, we send the machine to the chef. We ask him to we replicate his food. We ask him to teach the machine on how his food is done. We have ways and means to do that. And once the chef uh, confirms that, hey, you sure this machine is able to make the food right, we get a tasting panel out to 30 people. We ship out the food to a few customers. We do trials. We uh, work with the culinary team, with the new product team, with the uh, operations team, with the training team to ensure that the food that they are making is as good as what the chef made. Once that is signed off, only then we scale up. Right, right. So, uh, what is the process like? You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, is it programmable? Uh, I see, like, you know, IoT and stuff like that, right? Uh, so, how does it work, basically? Sure, sure. So, let me give you an example of a samosa, frying a samosa, right? Um, frying a samosa is a very simple thing, right? You, you put it in oil, after some X minutes, you pick it up. But um, <clears throat> if you ask me to fry a samosa, my friend, my sister, my mother, everybody fries a samosa in a very different way. But a good chef knows, okay, it has to fry at 100 degrees for 12 minutes, and then the temperature needs to be increased to 150 degrees, fry for another 5 minutes, then at 150 degrees, and then fry for 2 minutes. You, know? you see that they do, they add the samosa, they increase the flame, decrease it, they move on that stuff. So, they record all those things, okay? Then we measure the temperature, increase the temperature for three minutes. Then we flip the samosa. You know, we convert all that data into, <coughs> we, we uh, you know, convert it into step by step. What is the time, what is the temperature, and what is the process. And basically, the machine is fed with the data. Initially, it has to be 100 degrees for two minutes, then go from 100 to 120, then go five more minutes, and then um, the samosa needs to be flipped. So similarly, we do with other things. So for example, Chinese cuisine, if you look, you are making noodles. You add, what does the chef do? He adds oil, then stuff, his wok is hot. Then he adds um, some spices, and then he stirs them. So we take a note of what temperature did he add the spices. How many grams of this, this, this he added. And then, then he tosses the noodles. Then he adds his protein or veggies, and then he tosses it for uh, XYZ. Um, so all this thing is converted into a, is programmed into the machine. Right? And then the person needs to follow the programs or uh, skip, skip. We are not a zero manpower thing, but anybody can go and operate. I should say a coffee machine. In your office, you have a coffee machine. You go and you press a button and you say, okay, I want the temperature to this or that. So similarly, here, there's a guy who can go. Things are loaded in the machine. He presses a couple of buttons. He says, okay, what's the order? And the machine makes it for him. And the machine follows the same steps which a chef would have followed. It doesn't think on its own. Whatever has been programmed, it follows those steps. It's uh, not to the Right. So one aspect of the army which uh, you know we of course discussed uh, in brief, right? And then there's the whole manufacturing aspect of things, right? Now, uh, you know, manufacturing is a non-trivial challenge. I mean, it's, it's very, very difficult, right? Uh, how do you go about setting up this uh, you know process line? And you know, what are some things that you've learned from setting up manufacturing aspect? So, uh, manufacturing. Um, so, so there are a couple of elements to making a machine. You know, there are a lot of uh, hobbies that make a machine. There's a one machine, two machine that really works. But what was really challenging for us was how do you make machines at scale that work consistently and continuously across various environments? And that's only possible through good manufacturing. And we own our manufacturing plants. We have two manufacturing plants where we uh, have our, uh, we take up the entire manufacturing jam. Right? And uh, we just follow what the automobile industry does, right? You um, have. <coughs> You have a good procurement team that gets all the vendors, that creates all the vendors, then all the uh, incoming components are uh, checked, then there is an assembly line, there's a store, the assembly happens as an automobile happens, right? various stages, every stage has a quality check, at the end there's a QA team, there's a quality assurance team that checks in it, as per design, as per the spec, and then there's a testing and validation team, and then it gets back and done. So we were really in the wheelchair, we just went blindly followed what the automobile industry does. And you know, they do a good job, India has a very good uh, manufacturing uh, vendor base, there is a very good uh, quantum of talent that's available when it comes to manufacturing, we just went and leveraged that. We didn't really outsource manufacturing. Um, Primarily because uh, our product journeys are very different, right? Every uh, our line makes a particular machine on a beat, and the next week we just split the line and make a different product. As we said, you know, we have eight different product lines. So interestingly, what happened last year during the COVID, we had uh, a couple of large US brands that were looking at uh, China for their solutions, but they moved to India. They started working with us for automating and manufacturing machines at scale. So uh, that has also been a, a very uh, interesting development during the COVID that we have seen. Right. Uh, before we move on to you know uh, some of the more marketing distribution related stuff, right? Uh, what are some milestones that you're really proud of in your journey? I mean, I see that uh, you know you have a nice photo up with the Royal Couple, uh, British Royal Couple, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk us uh, talk to us about that experience and what it was like? Sure. So, so when uh, Prince William and so when Prince William and Kate were in India, they wanted to meet uh, entrepreneurs who were doing something very different, and we happened to be in that space. You know, we were called upon by the palace team. They said, you know what? Um, they'll be coming and they want to see your machines, make a dosa and eat it. So we went to Mumbai, we took the machine, they, they uh, made a, they said, you know what? Uh, dosa is a very famous Indian food, very difficult to make, but you press this button and the machine makes it. So they pressed the button, the machine made the dosa, and um, you know we were warned before. That uh, you know, don't ask the prince to eat the dosa because they would not eat. But I took my chance. I said, you know what? If you came to India and didn't have a dosa, then you did not come to India. So then he went into Kabarpur. So it was a very uh, interesting moment for us when we had a 50-60 camera guys taking pics of uh, with, with the prince uh, having food from the machine. So those are <coughs> some really um, interesting things. Apart from that, uh, what really happened in the last two years was. Uh, we had we have fantastic team, you know, which where we went from one product that was a dosomatic, where we went from one product to eight, ten products today in automation space uh, and serving a global audience, you know, an Indian company serving a global audience by uh, almost just a made in India, but these are born in India machines, you know, these are designed, developed, and manufactured in India. You know. Those are, uh, that's, that's a real pride moment, proud moment for all of us here in the 
Right? Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. Um, you know, from everything that you've uh, uh, talked about right now, right? I mean, we get a perspective of how challenging it is uh, to run a food business. Uh, for someone who is, you know, considering entering the food, food business as such, right? Uh, what are some things that, you know, people miss about this uh, space? You know, what are some things that's unintuitive that people have the wrong idea about? Uh, you know, can you take us through two or three of those nuances? Sure. So what people, um, I think we have close to, uh, we have worked close to 5,000 food entrepreneurs over the last three, four years, right? Uh, right from a small uh, tier two city, like say, Kalaipur in Tamil Nadu, so Delhi, Bombay, US, New York, Australia, we have 16 countries. So, uh, so my understanding of the difference between a successful food entrepreneur and uh, we also see places where people really wind up in a two to three month period, right? <coughs> so the real difference is where people are able to, uh, you know, good food entrepreneurs really focus on their product. You know, that, uh, the cost of the product and the product, these two are very uh, relevant and very important. You can't say make a biryani which is like 500 rupees and it's very tasty, people do like it. At the same time, you cannot make a 100 rupee biryani and say it doesn't taste good, but people might buy it. You, you will really have to find the balance between that two in terms of getting your product right and then maintaining the consistency and quality of the food. So where, where people are really focused on the nitty gritties of the product are, are, is very important. I'll give a very good quick example, right? We were working with, uh, uh, I can't name the brand, but a very popular child brand in the country. Uh, to get the taste of the tea right, um, so the founder of the company did, say, uh, 50 trips to our office. He took 50 flight trips to our office and uh, during each trip, there would be not less than 50 cups of tea that have got tasted. So about 3,000 cups of tea in a matter of 6 to 9 months got tasted by the founder because he wanted to give the best tea to his uh, customers at the right price point. You know, where the price point is very important. I can make the best tea and spend 100 rupees on a cup of tea, but nobody's going to buy that. But how do you get the thin balance between that? I'll give you a good example. Like Domino's, uh, the food cost is just 24-25% today. And they are able to command the price point of, say, a 40 rupees, 50 rupees. It's still affordable. You know, they get the calls right, they get the taste right, they get the price right. And these two, three things are very critical. And people who are able to get a uh, real good, tasty product at the right price point and can make it consistently is a true winner. And that person really expands beyond 1 to 20, 30 outlets. Fantastic. Uh, you know, it's not been a great time for the food uh, entrepreneurs uh, uh, in some sense. I mean, uh, 2020 was a very difficult year. And just while things were recovering, we're right now in the middle of the second wave. Uh, a lot of uh, restaurant businesses are shut down. And, you know, while food delivery is still on, uh, they're missing a significant portion of the revenue as such. Uh, what was your experience operating Mukunda Foods uh, in this COVID year that we've had? Uh, so, uh, thankfully for us, actually, we had a lot of institutional customers for us. Uh, you know, a lot of large players, both India and international. Their, their revenue lines did not really dry up very fast. Unfortunate for the industry, for sure, that, you know, something like COVID hit, restaurants, malls, outlets, theaters, offices, cafeterias, everything is closed. So, uh, but, but the single lining for us is, uh, this has been a tailwind generator for us. I tell you why. Always a food entrepreneur or restaurant owner is very busy. He's firefighting day, day in and day night. He doesn't uh, get time to think, okay, how do I improve operations? What can I do new? What can I do different? This has given a respite from them because I'm sitting at home, they really are looking, okay, what to do next? How do I reboot? How do I uh, bring in technology? How do I bring in automation? How do I reduce my costs? So a lot of large brands and medium brands and small brands have started work with us, doing a lot of trials, doing a lot of, uh, you know, menu tweaking, doing a lot of, um, you know, stuff with us. Where our, once the market, again, we saw that, you know, by November when the market really started opening, we saw a huge number of uh, machines that got shipped out of our factories. Again, we got closed, but again, a lot of um, entrepreneurs have started reworking with us and saying, okay, I want to do this new brand, I want to do this. Uh, can we choose this menu? Can we uh, look at that machine? So, uh, Long-term perspective for automation is very strong because the future is where, uh, as you said, it will not be completely, uh, you know, delivery, but there will be some part of delivery and some part of um, dining as well. But stores are going to become smaller, uh, deliveries are going to increase, kitchen uh, sizes are going to go down. There will be an increased, uh, you know, um, customer demand for hygiene, better hygiene, less touch, more, uh, you know, uh, kind of happy with technology being a part of the whole food making process. That's where automation is going to really play a role, and we have many, many other right products to support this industry uh, through these times. We also seen that you know, many entrepreneurs, um, a lot of food brands, many people went home, you know, uh, they were left with nobody to run the outlet. But many big food entrepreneurs bought machines from us, and with one or two guys, they were able to operate the machine and still uh, operate the outlet and still ensure that, uh, you know, that outlet was open and answers really closed. Right. Yeah, uh, I've actually been amazed by how people have innovated uh, during this time, right? Uh, uh, really. And I think uh, uh, when has and when things do get back to normal, I think people will be that much stronger, I feel, right? Uh, so, you know, we've spoken about plenty of uh, nuances, many fascinating aspects, right? Uh, before we close the conversation, I would love to talk to you about the future of, uh, let's say, the food industry, the, you know, kitchen automation, so on and so forth. We keep hearing about, um, you know, cloud kitchens and so on, right? Could you just give us, like, a one-on-one of how this cloud kitchen uh, business works and, you know, what we can see in the future, maybe 5, 10, 15 years down the line? Sure. <clears throat> so the whole delivery coming in, and uh, you know, delivery is just the tip of the iceberg, which is there. there's a lot more uh, depth to delivery, especially in two cities and a lot of places, even a lot of cuisines, uh, a lot of opportunity for cuisines, you know. Uh, there's a brand called Samosa Party, there's a way to run Samosas, there's a burger brand called Biggie's Burger, all being fantastic burger brands. So I think the future, uh, well, well, delivery is there, but that does not mean, as I said, that dying in is going to go out. So the future uh, is where there will be four to five delivery brands that are running on the back end and one front-end brand uh, that will be there. And many people, and some of the largest conglomerates in the food industry uh, are moving in this direction, where uh, you have a storefront, but in the back of the kitchen you have four to five brands. 
and you have one star again because standing there, and you do a lot of experimentation uh, with this. So the future prospects of food is very really bright in India. You know, it's, it's just 80% unorganized, just 20% of the market is organized. You have a lot of uh, great Indian players like Momo and uh, Biggie's Burger and Chayo's Chai Point and, and, and young brands like ITC and stuff now moving into cloud kitchens. So the future for uh, uh, you know, food is uh, very bright there. Apart from that, uh, one uh, I would say very early uh, indications that we are seeing is uh, food vending machines. Where we are playing the role right now. Uh, not really, uh, uh, we are still a development phase, so we really can't uh, comment about where we are in that. But uh, where people can order food using UPI and um, instead of waiting for a serial zomato delivery guy and they get it to come and deliver, what if a machine in your outlet, in your office or uh, in your society can make fresh food from you from scratch and deliver it in a bowl uh, for your preferences and you just get it at a very uh, optimal price of paying uh, exorbitantly high prices for delivery and stuff like that. If you're able to get that's a big thing and they're really working on the cutting edge of that space and you'll see in the next two quarters a lot of food vending machines are being placed at various places. You know, that fresh food is being made at the machine point. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating to hear. And, uh, you know, uh, final question to you from an Indian perspective, uh, what are you optimistic for? You know, how are you, uh, uh, how are you going to leverage whatever we have right now? Because it's, it's amazing that you've been able to build all this technical R&D expertise, uh, you've been able to set up manufacturing um, uh, and run these processes at scale, right? I mean, it's a fantastic journey thus far, uh, and you're also exporting uh, to many different countries and so on, right? So, uh, from an Indian entrepreneur perspective, what are you uh, really optimistic for in your space? Sure. Uh, see, food business, uh, you know, delivery really took on well in India. Uh, India has been the birthplace for cloud kitchens. You know, Jalal Foods has been doing an amazing uh, uh, job in India and uh, they're doing, they exported the whole bunch of cloud kitchens to UK, Indonesia, uh, Singapore, Bangladesh, and other countries. And also, in the US, they might soon start doing as well. So, uh, and, and, and the fintech space in India has really innovated and done a lot of fantastic work there. And, uh, you know, a lot of success stories are, you know, shoots, but this is uh, set to grow where uh, Indian way of uh, automation, Indian way of businesses are being adapted globally. And automation is one such area where uh, if, if a food entrepreneur in India, where the human uh, level cost is still not very high, is able to see value in a machine, then I'm sure that uh, a, a food brand in the US, which actually all emerging countries, are going to see a lot of value in that. And we're already seeing that, you know, the kind of uh, inquiries we're getting, the number of machines, uh, you know, uh, shipments which we are doing, container loads of them, is definitely a testament to the fact that, you know, automation uh, that has been born in India can grow globally. And uh, um, I, I think uh, gone are the times when you really need to look at um, US and build, uh, you know, Flipkartism of India and, you know, so on and so forth. I think, um, I'm sure you might have heard, of, heard this a lot of time, but uh, the time has really come that a lot of opportunities that people can build in India, especially in the B2B segment, at least, you know, for B2C the skills go. Many companies that get my parking, Farai Technologies, uh, even uh, SaaS companies like Prestes and all have built in India and exported to the world. Uh, what software, software so of course, manufacturing uh, is there. Uh, it can really do better, especially when the world is looking to move away from uh, China and other countries, how they can work in There's a huge opportunity there, where, um, you know, if somebody is good in manufacturing, a lot of outsourcing um, manufacturing opportunities that are coming in India's way. And if you are able to really leverage on that and say, rather than just be manufacturing, if you can design, develop, spend money on R&D, manufacture the product, then you'll be able to command bigger margins and bigger uh, business profits. Right, that's, uh, that's fantastic and it's a great note to end the podcast on. Thank you so much, uh, Ishwar. Uh, this was a fabulous conversation. Sure, same here, I really, I'm sorry, no food just talk and show people I'm celebrating, but yeah, I'm from Sweden, no food today. <laughs> no, I mean, this was, uh, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, then don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite platform and share this episode with